<laughs> yeah, Father God. <laughs> Sorry, just carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Father God, I do thank you for Dave. I thank you for all of him, and there's a lot of him. Father God, I just praise you for him. And I, I know that you have something from yourself that's going to come from Dave today. So I don't just pray for Dave, Lord. I pray for open hearts, open minds. I pray for open spirits. I pray for every single person here to realize that you are speaking to them through Dave. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you very much. He always makes me nervous when he comes up here. Um, I, uh, I'm going to read you uh, a bit from Daniel chapter 3. And um, I'm going to kind of compact it a little bit because it does keep repeating itself a lot. Um, so I'm just going to pick out the bits. But it's ja- Daniel chapter 3. Uh, the first 28 verses, I'm going to read, stroke, refer to them, okay? Just as a background, the people of Israel, because they sinned and they let God drift or or they drifted away from God, it opened them up to being invaded by the Babylonians who took them into captivity. And when they were taken into captivity, some of the young men that uh, were taken from Israel were put into places of authority and Daniel was one of those and there were three guys called Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego they were the same and they were in Babylon a country not theirs a culture not theirs Uh, and the king was called Nebuchadnezzar so I'm going to read this and it says King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, Uncle Tom, Cobley and all, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he'd set up. So they all came and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. No option here, you're commanded to do the following, and it's this. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, all those musical instruments, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, the abridged version is they did it. Do you blame them? Do this or you get thrown in a fire. So they did. Except for three guys. So there were some Jews. They were reported to the king by these grasses. And he said, there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. Neither, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? that you will not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up. 
Because when you hear all that music, you better do it, because if you don't, you will th- be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Isn't that fantastic? He can save us from those flames, but you know what? Even if he doesn't, he's worth dying for because we will not bow the knee to you. And you know the story. You know how it goes. If you don't, well, basically what happened was this, that they refused to bow. So the king lost it, heated up the furnace. I don't know why he bothered. About seven times over? I mean, you know, one time over is enough. And it was that hot that the people that threw them in were killed by the heat that came out and hit them. And when they were in the furnace... The Lord God met them there, so three guys were there, but the Lord's presence was there with them and they came out without even the smell of burning on their bodies. The only thing that had burnt were the ropes that had bound them up when they were thrown in. So they came out better than they went in. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about worship. And the point I was making was this, that worship isn't what we've just done this morning, sang some songs and worship with our hands lifted up and praised. That's an expression of worship. Real worship is about our lives, about our hearts, about our motives and about what is central to our lives. And can I say that these guys stood as an act of worship. The priority in their life was not to bend or to bow but to stand. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. See, last time I spoke about Abraham who worshipped God by taking his son, Isaac, to sacrifice him because God told him to do it. And when he did it, he got to the place where he was going to kill his son and he said to his followers, his, his, his servants, stay here, I'm going to take my son over here. We're going to go over and worship. Fancy coming to a worship meeting. I'm going to kill him because God's told me to. But we will come back. That's faith. So he was going to kill him, but he didn't kill him because God said, no, I know that you worship me more than you worship my provision for your future. So he had, if you like, a specific word from God to say, take your son, worship me by sacrificing him. Do you know, sometimes that will come in our lives. We are told to do something. But other times, we have to react to situations. So as an act of worship and putting God first in our lives, we don't bow the knee. We don't fall over. We don't comply or compromise and that's what these guys did the challenge of standing to worship you know <coughs> excuse me. there is a need for us to stand and the reason we need to stand is that it's better than falling over 
it's preferable. You see, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's tainted by, the Bible calls it sin. And do you know what? Um, it's not, a lot of the things that go on in the world, sometimes we bring it on ourselves, don't we? You know, we do things and we suffer as a consequence. Sometimes we're to blame because we do silly things. But the brokenness of the world brings bad things that happen in the world because it's broken. Because the world that we know and people in this world have turned away from God and they've left him out of it and try and do it themselves and it all goes wrong. And the wonderful thing is this, that Jesus came into a broken world and the culture of this world to challenge that and to bring life where there was death to bring hope where there was none and to bring light where there was darkness. You see, God invaded the world culture with the divine and we, as his witnesses, are called to and required to continue and further that culture. You see, the kingdom culture, the culture of Jesus, the culture that the church has been given will stand out like a sore thumb in the world that we live in. We are counter-cultural. And there are things that will knock us down. There are things that will make us, if we like, deny God. You know, some of the awful stuff. I mean, Jill, we prayed for Jill this morning. Do you know what? She is a woman of God and she's going to stand. But somebody who hasn't got Jesus in their lives like that, it could ruin them. But by the grace of God, you're going to stand. There are things, compromises, and things that we're called to do sometimes that make us want to fall over and bend and bow because the consequences are dire. Wes, the other week, I'll quote him. He says, cultures change, but God doesn't. He's constant. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And do you know, the church is here to change our world because we worship and honor God. Often, however, the world's culture changes us through fear, compromise, the path of least resistance. And those things can sometimes, in a subtle way, take precedence over Jesus. Now, and I believe that God wants, and, and, and I'm not wanting this to come across as you, something that's, it's not easy, but it's something that we can do with the grace of God. You see, God wants us to stand. How do we stand? Well, do you know, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego couldn't comply with the king's command because they knew what God wanted them to do and most of all, they knew who God was. The Ten Commandments were in these guys. They knew that you shouldn't make an image and bow down to it. And so this man sets up an image and tells them to bow down, and they can't do it. They cannot do it. You'll get thrown into the fire. Ah, I'd rather not, but I can't do it. It'd be very hot, I know, but I cannot do it, and I will not bow the knee. But you'll get the sack from work if you don't bow the knee. I can't do it. And they didn't do it. Do you know, it's really important how we make a stand. These fellas were not a pain in the neck. They had proved themselves and they were valued people in that kingdom because they were faithful in what they did, they were competent 
and they were good. And do you know what? They were competent and they were faithful and they were good. Do you know why? Because they worshipped God in their lives. The things that they did, they did as an act of worship. Do you know, when you go to work, when you live your life, when I live my life, when we go out and about and when we, we are with people and when we just live our daily lives, we're called to live our lives as acts of worship. It's done, you know, I'm going to come, you know, don't tick off the box. I'm coming to Sunday morning, I'm going to sing a few songs, my hands in the air, have a little, yeah, hey. That's my worship for the week. No, the worship goes every part of every day. And those guys were valued, and all of a sudden, they're making a stand. They're making a stand. Because not that they wanted to do something different, but they were being called to do something they couldn't do. Do you notice they didn't criticize or condemn the king? They didn't. They didn't argue about the injustice of being made to do this. It's so unfair. They just didn't bow. They just didn't bow. They just got on with their lives. They just did. What they, do you know there's another guy called Daniel? And they couldn't fault him. Except in one way. If we try and compromise his relationship with God, we'll get him. And so they made another rule in another part of the book of Daniel. If anyone prays to any other god except to the king, you get thrown in the lion's den. Daniel didn't criticise. Daniel didn't say how unfair it was. He just went three times a day to his house, opened the windows towards Jerusalem and prayed to the living God and they got him. He wouldn't bow either. Well, actually, he wouldn't stop bowing. <laughs> Different but the same. You know, we're called as a church, as Christians, to be revolutionary because Jesus brought revolution. He came to bring change. I don't know what you think of. When you think of a protest, what do you think of? Placards. And it's usually down with something. Isn't it? It's always down. It's always against. I'm protesting because I don't like it. But the word protest, the word protest... It's got pro in it. If you're pro, you're for. Right? Now, protest has got a negative connotation because I'm against something, so I'm going to protest. But actually, actually, real protesting is when you're for something. And you set an example in something. And you live for something. And these guys weren't protesting against the king. They were protesting for God. And that's why they wouldn't bow the knee. I can't help jumping, Bob. I can't help it, mate. I'm just the way it goes. It's these shoes. Do you know what? We are called not to be critical all the time, but to be positive and four, a right protest is about promoting that which is good. I've heard it put this way, don't shout at the darkness, switch on the light. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. You know, do something. Yeah. Or if you need to, don't do something. You know, Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, in Parliament, fought all his life against slavery. Now he fought 
against slavery, but he didn't go out saying down with slavery. He actually did something that changed the whole, the whole law of the land. He was for something. Do you know, as salt and light, the Bible calls us to make a difference. Another thing is, you need to be wise how you make a stand. Don't be a pain in the neck. I'll say the neck. Do you know, there are some Christians <laughs> who moan about everything. Oh yes, you can't do that because the Bible says this. And then you moan about this. And, 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 and in the end, if you keep moaning about everything, when you've got something to really challenge, they won't take a blind bit of notice of you because, oh, it's him again. Shut up. Choose your battles and be positive and be the answer, not the problem. You see, we've got Jesus. In, Jesus didn't come to be a problem. He, well, he was a problem to the people who caused the problems, but he came to bring the answer. And he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we too can be a people who are the answer. He wants to change us from the inside out to make us the answer. Choose battles. Otherwise you'll be ignored, you know. And, and it's what it was said already, operate the opposite spirit. Do you know, where there is criticism, accept people, yeah, accept people, be kind to people. I'm kind to Bob all the time. But, you know, encourage people. Where there's dishonesty, where there's fiddling of expenses, don't do it. Where there's a culture of gossip, stand against it. Now, you might not be liked for that, and you'll probably get gossiped against for not gossiping. Isn't that perverse? Do you know what? That's a lot better than being thrown in a furnace, all right? Just think yourself, got off light. <laughs> people expect conflict and criticism, but we need to love and accept people. Do you know, it's important to stand for truth, but to show grace. I've got a quote here. Truth without grace is mean. Right? Grace without truth is meaningless. But truth and grace together, oh, that's God's heart. That changes lives. It makes a difference. Can I also say that you need to stand, we need to stand with God's help. All this is higher than we can attain in our own strength. But God's help enables us to be people of integrity. Say what you mean, mean what you say, and do what you say. We all get it wrong sometimes, but that is God's heart. It, it's, it's standing and being, and also loving people. Don't you just love people? Sometimes. But you know, you cannot be a worshipper of God and not have a love for people. Because the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and everything. And the second commandment is love others as you love yourself. And God gives us a love for other people. You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about Christian character, the fruit of the Spirit. 
about love and joy and peace. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I hate it when Christians give it, give it them. You ought to repent because you're going to burn. You know? You call yourself a... And you, blah, I hate it. And that's not what we're called to be. We are called to be people who care for and love people even if we disagree with them. Hey, who's heard of Jacob Rees-Mogg? Yeah, I bet you all heard of Jacob Rees-Mogg. Now, I'm not getting into politics here at all. Now, Jacob Rees-Mogg is very posh. He is. He's awfully posh. He looks like Walter and Dennis the Menace. Do you know what I mean? Do you know the guy I mean? Yeah, he does. And he's very pro-Brexit. He's a conservative. So don't switch off whatever you are. Because I'm not talking about what he believes, but something he did really impressed me. Don't look so amazed. <laughs> it was on the telly, and, and he was at this certain place, right? And there was a fella that confronted him and was shouting abuse at him and abuse at him and, and, and saying how rubbish he was and how, and all the rest of it. And he kind of brought it down and he said just because we don't agree I don't agree with you doesn't make me a bad person and this bloke went he still didn't agree with him but you know I reckon he handled that well you know I'm being I'm being general here I'm not saying whether I agree with what he's saying or anything I'm not in, we're not into politics in this place we're into Jesus right but what I'm saying is that his attitude actually had a calming effect. He really did. Gentleness and respect. Being motivated by love and worship to God will help us to help people in our world to become different. Yeah, do you know, this is where I start getting into dangerous territory. And I've told you a story about, I won't go into the story, but I was... An inquiry was made, would you do a same-sex marriage? Oh, cheers. Young lady wanted me to do, would I be willing to do a marriage, a blessing, or whatever it is? Now, just going over the short answer is no. I can't. How did I handle that? Did I tell her that, do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what God thinks of that? Do you know what he thinks of you? All that sort of stuff. I didn't go into a condemnatory thing. Why should I? I'll tell you why. God loves that lady. And what I said to her was this. Look, you know, I really respect where you're coming from. Now, for me, I haven't got a frame of reference to marry two people of the same sex. I just haven't got that. It's not in the Bible. It's not in... I don't see it. Okay? But I didn't condemn her. And, you know, I sought to be gentle and I sought to be understanding and show respect to a person who God loves. And you know what? I haven't seen her for a while, but every time she sees me, 
she counts me as a friend and gives me a hug. It's a result. It is a result. I could have lost her. I could have criticized her. And I've had people say to me, I like this church, but I've got one problem. I say, what's that? I don't believe in God. Yeah, that is a problem. No, but... <laughs> and what they were expecting me to say was, you filthy sinner, you've got to repent, otherwise you don't belong here. Because that's the awful reaction they've had from stupid people in the past. My attitude is this. Do you know what? We're all on a journey. I really respect where you're coming from. I thank you for being honest. You could have told me what you think I wanted to know, but I know where you're standing. You know what? You're welcome here, and God loves you. And my prayer is this, that he will show you how he loves you, and you'll find this for yourself. I could argue with him, and I might even win an argument. I might even win an argument and convince him to be a Christian. But if I, are, if I convince him to be a Christian, then someone else who's better arguing than me will convince him not to be. But the truth is this. You've got to come to that place where you can worship and know God for yourself because when you do that, you will stand. Yeah, right. He does it from the inside out. Yeah, yeah. And that reality works. They'd all be drinking out of bottles like that. That film, won't they? Thank you very much. Don't worry. Okay. Do you know what? I got so worked up there. Do you want some at all? <laughs> you know, how dare we judge people for whatever they believe when God knows them and loves them? Do you know, what we need to do is lead them to Jesus. Then he deals with that stuff. Goodness knows he's still dealing with stuff in me. You'd have thought he'd have done it by now. That's what he does. And that is what worship, giving our life to him, is about. That's how we worship. You know, how we stand is really important. We can win arguments but lose a soul. That's pointless. Moving on quickly, the, the challenge, there's a challenge when we stand. Because it costs us. I love what Jill shared last week about that film. Is it, was it called Wonder? Wonder. But a little boy with the, the face or facial deformity, little guy. And um, he had to really battle with his, his lovely school friends. Aren't children cruel? Happens. But this is what his mum said, I think. And it's, it, it, it stuck with me, this. It says this, that you... Well, uh, where are we? I've lost it now. Yeah, you can't blend in when you were made to stand out. Church, Christian, you can't blend in, always, when you were made to stand out. But if you stand out, be outstanding. Yeah. Don't be a pain in the neck standing out. Don't, you know, if I've, got, if I've got a stone in my shoe, it stands out. Oh. And that's just a nuisance. But be outstanding. The grace and the love of God in your life. You know, we don't just stand against, we stand for in a culture that is outside of God. In Ephesians 6, it talks about 
putting on the armor of God because we stand, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And I have to say that those, you can come in, yeah. Can everyone just stop and stare for a moment? Hey, was it good out there or rubbish? Was it good? Yeah, yeah it was great, isn't it? Yeah, of course it was good. <laughs> Do you know, those three guys weren't just standing up against the ego of the king. It was a whole big spiritual battle. And in the Bible it tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle that fights for our lives and fights for our allegiance. You know, Jesus took a stand before Satan and Satan tempted him and he defeated him. And you know, what Satan really wanted wasn't for him to turn rocks into bread or to, um, what's the other one? Jump off the roof or whatever. He, he bowed, yeah, but what he really wanted was for him to worship him. Worship is the key. Who and what we worship will define who we are. But Jesus stood. He stood before his accusers, before he got nailed to the cross. But he stood. And on the third day, he walked out of the tomb and he stood. And those three guys were thrown into the furnace. Then they came out and they stood. And the result of their stand was outstanding it brought victory the furnace enabled them to come through and to know victory you know we need to be a people who are motivated by our love for Jesus that's what it is and how can you be motivated by your love a love for Jesus if you've never met Jesus well you can meet him you can know him you can experience him and how do you do that? You become good enough. I know I, went, I was on a train on Wednesday. Uh, I went to, went to Bradford. I went to Bradford. See, I'm, I even caught a bit of the, yeah. And there was a lady sitting next to me across the aisle who is a sports coach for Ra Reading Ladies Football. And her son plays for Leicester City. Andy King. I was sitting next to Andy King's mum. I'd never heard of him, but anyway. But she said that she took, she took a friend of hers to a church who really loved it. She really loved the church. And she said, Dino, this is great. I, feel just, I just feel something here. But I can't be a Christian. She said, why not? She said, well, well because I've done too much wrong in my life. Well, no, no, that, that's all right. You know, do you know what? That's the truth. You have done too much wrong in your life, but the grace of God is this, that you can be forgiven. And she said, there's another thing. Said, she said, what? She said, I can't be a Christian. She said, why not? She said, because I've got tattoos. <laughs> I've got tattoos! And then she said, well, that's it. You're finished then. I said, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny what people think? Do you know what? The overwhelming love of God that we've been singing about this morning, he wants to meet us, he wants to change our lives and he doesn't care if you've got a tattoo 
or whatever you've done in your life. He loves you. He wants to save you and give you life. And he wants you to come and be a worshipper in your life. You know, there have been times in my life when I've had to, just the three little examples of when I've had to take a stand. The first one that I'll let you know is it's just very quickly is this, that when I, I, had a, I had a proper job once, you know, uh, I, used to, I used to work for the London Borough of Sutton. If that's a proper job, I did it. Years ago. We didn't have computers in those days, so we had slates and bits of chalk that we did things on. It was really old in those days. Anyway, God called me to serve him in the ministry. And it's, it, people go in different ways, but God, I know God wanted me to go to the Bible college that is part of Assemblies of God here, and I had to hand my notice in at work. And I'd written a letter, it was in the envelope, and my mum, bless her heart, begged me, virtually, not to hand my notice in. Because I'd gone round the bend. And I said, Mum, I'm really sorry. Please don't worry. But I've got to do this. And can I just say that it was really good that my girlfriend's parents understood what I was doing. Didn't you? Sort of. And they were able to put my mum and dad a little bit straight. They were able to say, it's all right. He's not quite round. He is a little bit, but he's not totally. And they were able to sort of take the edge off it. But I had to make a stand. I had to do what I had to do. The rest is history. I remember I was at Croydon, a church in Croydon for nine years. Nearly nine and a half, ten years, whatever it was. And the day that I knew God called me to go to Sutton, it was announced at the church. Oh, it was like, oh, it was awful. People were crying. I don't know why, but they were. And, and when it was, we had this meeting afterwards, and this man of standing in that church looked at me. Who should I pick on? I'll pick on Sam. And he looked at me. When he heard I was going to go to Sutton, he looked at me and says, that is not the will of God. so I buckled I didn't I knew I knew that I knew that I knew I thought oh. and then more recent history oh we're eight years old next year next week next week and I knew I knew that I couldn't stay where I was in the last situation in Sutton because God was calling us to do this and aren't you glad yeah. I tell you what I don't need a workout, I just need to come here and preach. That's what I need to do. <laughs> and there are times in your life when you have to make a stand. Yeah. And I want to ask you this morning, do you need to make a stand? You see, I'm glad Astrid's back in here because I'd like the musicians to come. We're going to sing a song by Michael W. Smith. And it's called I'm Coming Back to the heart of worship and it's all about you and it says in there that it's, it's more than a song because a song in itself is not what you've required what he wants us to be are those who worship him 
and who having done all, stand. As we sing this, I want you to remember that those guys were told to fall down and worship that God, that golden image, that God with a small g. Hebrews, it tells us to strengthen our feeble knees. Because sometimes, do you know what? We feel like falling in the face of circumstances. Well, let's come back to the heart of worship this morning. Let's put God in his rightful place in our lives. Let's bow our heads for a moment, shall we? And whether you've done awful things wrong in your life, or even if you've got tattoos, I don't care, <laughs> or anything else that you can think of, do you know what? Jesus loves you, and he wants to meet with you. He cares for you. And you're not hearing that by accident. You're hearing that because it's the truth that he wants to minister into your life. And it could be this morning that there's somebody here and you need to make that first step that says, I'm going to stand. Not necessarily literally to stand up where you are, but in your heart and in your life, you want to make a stand and say, Lord, I, I don't get all this from A to Z but I know that you're speaking into my life and I want you to help me to know you and to be a follower of you to worship you to serve you and you know what whatever you've done wrong in your life if you confess that to him right now and give him your life he will come into you and he will change you and he will transform you and he will enable you to stand in situations that you could never stand in before. If that's you, if there are people here and that's you, while eyes are shut and heads are bowed, would you just look up and just give me away because I want to share more with you about that. If that's you, can you do it right now, please? I'm looking all over. Just give me a wave wherever you are. Just put your hand up. Put it down again. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe everyone here has made a commitment to Jesus. That's fine. Maybe you're not ready yet. I'm not going to argue you into it. But if you want to know more about this, don't let the opportunity pass. Now that offers there, as we continue right now, but for each one of us, I would like us just to lay our lives before God and say, Lord, help me to be someone who worships you in my home, in my marriage, in my life, in my job, in my neighborhood, in my church. Help me to come back to the heart of worship, Lord, because it's all about you. And help me to stand in Jesus' name. Let's, uh, let's stand together, shall we? And